Welcome to Growing Your Financial Advisory Practice Podcast by Snap Projections, episode 31. I'm your host, Pavel Braminski, and my goal is to interview experts to provide you with insights, strategies, and actionable tactics that you can start applying to grow your financial advisory practice today. For more information, head over to snapprojections.com slash podcast. Now, let me introduce today's guest. Today's guest is Jim Greenwood. Jim is a CFP and managing partner of Blue Sky Lasting Wealth. Since 1994, Jim has been dedicated to helping families, individuals, and business owners create a comfortable financial plan to help them achieve their goals. Jim and his team strive to simplify the often complex financial situations that arise throughout one's life. He uses his 25 years of practical experience leading HIDs from continued coaching and the combined expertise of his team and network of specialists to provide an exceptional level of customer service that is focused on the client's unique story. In his spare time, Jim remains active, participating in triathlons and marathons, culminating in the running of 2006 Boston Marathon, 2009 New York Marathon, 2014 World Triathlon Championships in Edmonton, and 2017 Ironman World Championship in Kona, Hawaii. Jim, welcome to the show. Thank you. Jim, I couldn't resist mentioning your triathlons and marathons. It's super exciting to me, but you know what? Let's dive in. I'm super excited to have you on. So let's start with your firm. What exactly do you do and who do you typically serve? Well, that's interesting because we are kind of in a state of flux at the moment. We are in the middle of a succession plan for one of my business partner's grant. So it's an exciting time for us. We are taking on another entire book of business. And so there's a lot of moving parts to this entire transition. We have to find or define the roles of all of the staff that are involved. What's Grant's role going to be? Because he's not necessarily retiring, but he's sort of slowly transitioning out over five years. So the structure of our firm and our staff is is changing uh, here over the next 18 months. We're, we're targeting September of 2020 and it's a long rollout, so we're all pretty pretty excited about that. And in the, and in the meantime, we are transitioning more to a high net worth practice, more and more high net worth all the time. And we're physically moving to some new office space, so there's a lot of moving parts at the moment. Okay, so I caught you at a really interesting time. Okay, so in terms of uh, just to, for the context for us, for the listeners, so if you can tell us just currently, how many staff do you have? You know, what kind of what is the average sort of maybe client size, and how many clients do you serve? Maybe some details on the AUM as well, so we have the context. If you can share that, it would be great. Yeah, we're we're currently around 250 families with about a hundred million dollars in assets, maybe a little more than that. But we have at the moment my my specific blue sky lasting wealth practice has two advisors and two staff that that run that book. So the challenge we have now is our capacity to provide the high level of service that we want. And how are we going to absorb grants practice? I don't think we can handle more than 250 families and still provide the level of service we want. So what is the solution for the clients that aren't going to stay with our specific service model? And and again, how are we defining all the roles of, of the staff that are going to be added? Another advisor, grad will stay on as an advisor, another admin person. So there are a lot of decisions that need to be made. Excellent. Okay. So I think we'll just come back to this transition. I have a couple of questions around that. But in terms of your, your current business and why you started really, so why does this business exist for you? Like what? why does this work matter for you? Simply put, we're needed. There are clients and our clients out there need us to help them. They're not interested in their in, in doing this on their own. They want a professional and someone that they can trust 
to uh, take the reins and do everything for them. And that's basically where we where we fit in. Our clients recognize the need for professionals or specialists in all areas, like doctors, accountants, mechanics, you name it. And we are that person for them when it comes to their financial situation. Wonderful. Okay. And if you're going to take me back to your, I would say, early days, like what, what made you become an advisor in the first place? I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of different other careers and you, know, you could be a medical yeah. professional, for example, right now, an accountant, yeah. right? You, you know, very close maybe. But why, why yeah. being an advisor was important to you? Well, throughout high school and even university, I, I thought that I was going to accounting did a couple, I did a work term at an accounting firm and hated it, quite frankly. So sort of switched over to a marketing focus, but was still interested in the finance side of things. And through my co-op work terms, I, I didn't necessarily identify exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew what I didn't want to do. And that was being some sort of unionized or corporate situation where all of the hard work I do wouldn't really be reflected in my level of success. So I knew you know, probably being an entrepreneur or self-employed was was the right way to go, and uh, and and my interest in in the financial side of things, these they just married together, and this was a, a really good fit. It was a tough time getting a job, and and you know, I was I was fortunate to 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 get this start, but it was a, a very very tough start. Uh, just jumping out as a young young man trying to to get clients, basically. For sure, and I think it's it's even more difficult today. I would say, right? The barriers are 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 far greater now. The the expense of this business has skyrocketed. I have lots of people who've asked me, you know, how do I get started? What do I do? And there's no way you could just do what I did, and that's just hang the shingle out and say I'm an advisor and I, I need to get some clients. That that would not work these days. You you know, I always recommend they either start at a bank or an insurance company or partner or get a, a job with an advisor and, and get in that salary position, learn the business, get your credentials, get some experience. And that's uh, really the only way to do it these days. Right, right. And you're absolutely right. I mean, I've heard this from other advisors as well. I mean, I think there's a couple of other maybe different areas, right? I mean, you can maybe start as a fee-for-service planner. I mean, fee-for-service or yep. this sort of retainer model we see is sort of exploding, especially in the US, but in Canada, there's a lot more opportunities there too. There's not a lot of mm-hmm. compliance. There's not a lot. The costs are low, so barriers of entry. Are, are fairly low. So you can start there and then you can sort of stir step yourself into, into being an advisor. And we had a previous guest, Jason Perry, I think, a while ago already talk about that. So maybe you can link yeah. that episode here. But uh, okay, let's go back to your, your business. And how do you really think about uh, and how do you approach advising and serving your clients? Like what is your process on a high level? Yeah, we, so our process is, is everything we do is templated. We are a full financial plan firm, so we address every area of a financial plan, and we do, you know, we embrace specialists, and we so we use accountants for, you know, tax work and 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 whatnot. We have lawyers for the estate planning side of things, so we 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 use specialists whenever we can, and I sort of quarterback the entire operation. So our process is pretty straightforward. I mean, even if you look at it from a bring on a new client, we know exactly we have a fit meeting followed by, you know, data gathering or discovery meeting. And then it's a, you know, one or two meeting process to present the plan. And, and then there's implementation after that. After that, they fall into our service matrix that is handled by one of my assistants who happens to be my daughter, but she controls my schedule and controls our service matrix for our client. So our emphasis is on the service level that we provide. And I know everybody says that, but we really do try and take it to the next level. And uh, really one of the things we do, especially well, is our proactive communication. And, you know, we've got an initiative called Communication King. And and this is something we've, we've just started. But for years and years, we have been 
told that the reason clients leave financial advisors, the number one reason is lack of communication. So we thought, well, why don't we just flip that? And so in addition to our already robust communication plan, we said, let's just do more and more and create the wow experience. And it can be something very simple. It can be, I had a client just yesterday that I emailed. He had, we were taking money out of his account to invest and, and it was three separate chunks. And one of them was going to be delayed because it was new and the account was going to need to be set up first. So it was a simple email out to him. Just, you know, you're going to see these two amounts come out, but then you're going to, you know, the other amount's not going to come out. It was just as simple as a quick email to say, this is what's happening and get in front of it before he has to call me and say, how come this other amount didn't come out? You know, or why is it still in my bank account? It's things like pension transfers can take weeks and even months sometimes. And if you've got a new client or you've transferred a pension over, you know, you don't want to have all these great meetings and sign the paperwork and then not talk to them for two months and they wonder what's happening. So every Friday, uh, Haley sends an email out updating them on where we're at with the pension transfer. So it's just trying to be awesome, give them that wow experience. And so every opportunity we get, when we think we can just up the ante a bit, we do that. Perfect. And so I totally understand that this process can take a long time. And we actually were transferring our ESP for our son from a major, major bank and to a, a robo advisor, which was just a better option for us. And it took, I don't know, weeks or maybe months. It's just, I totally yeah. understand what you're saying. But uh, this is really interesting. So I want to go back to the service matrix in a second, maybe, and, and talk about, because when you're thinking about communication, you need to plan or you strategically need to map the, the points of communication. So how do you think about those different or how do you approach templating the, this process for yourself and for your office? So so Haley knows or everybody in, in the office knows that we send communication. This is the template at this time, right? How did you approach just making sure that we send this communication at that time and this is the type of communication that we need to send? Well, it's, it's a little different. Now. I'll start with our service matrix side of things. And first of all, we do segment our client base. I know some people don't, but but we've chosen to segment our client base. And we've determined an exact number of meetings that we're going to need in a given year. We assume 40 work weeks in a year. And that's not just vacations. It's away for conferences or whatever. But and, and we've come up with, you know, how many meetings do we need per week? And Haley's tasked with filling the schedule with those review meetings so that every client gets the number of review meetings that they're supposed to get according to our, our service matrix. Second would be contacts. And we want, depending on what segment you're in, that contact could be once a quarter. It could be once a year in addition to their already annual review meeting. So we get a list every month of the people that that need to be called and so that we can keep up with those regular communications. And that's that's just the regular service major stuff. The Communication King initiative is in addition to that. That's just some daily things that are going on. Uh, in addition to that, then we also have something called our Blue Sky Bulletin where we send out a, every second month a bulletin that just is some interesting stuff, updates on the markets, et cetera, et cetera. And that is rolled out. There's an automated one that rolls out from our head office that I think we're going to stop. I don't want to inundate the clients. I think there's a tricky little line there somewhere where you know there is too much communication or too many emails and then the really important ones don't get read. So yeah, that that's our communication strategy at the moment. Excellent, makes sense. Okay, yeah, and, and yeah, I think you were raising a really great, great point, right? That there's too much. There can be too much communication, right? There could be too much yeah. contact uh, because 
I think it's really interesting to really figure out like what is the right balance, right? And also the quality, right? Because for example, us online, we have so much, we were seeing online, there's so much content, right? But there's also a lot of poor quality content as well. So so in terms of, you know, if especially if you're sending bulletins or maybe newsletters, if you want to make sure that you send quality information to your clients. So I'm really actually interested about uh, the client communication and we had a couple of guests talk about different aspects of it. But I'm just thinking, you know, from your perspective, like what type of communication is the most appreciated by the, by your clients for you know whatever reason where do you get typically most responses or or saying okay this is really useful for me or this has been really useful for me is there any one piece or or just that you stay engaged with the clients and you don't really see any spikes i would say that i don't really see any spikes but one thing i would say is we every thursday we try and have a a lunch with one of our top clients and in terms of building the relationship, that has been one of the most effective things that I have done. And that's just been over the last nine months that we've done that. The lunch is, I, I don't bring a statement. We don't talk about their portfolio. I mean, sometimes they bring some things up, but it is just, let's go talk about football and politics and whatever else you want to talk about and have some fun and have a nice, easy lunch. And I'm getting the greatest feedback from those lunches. It's just been fantastic. Interesting. So is this just another sort of different avenue of connecting with clients just so you don't, yeah. they're not forced to talk about business. You're not, you're not forcing them to talk about business. You're just, you know, a regular human being, almost like a friend. So let's go for lunch, right? Yeah. And, and, you know, part of our service matrix, you know, in addition to the phone calls and everything is that we want to make sure that we provide at least our top clients, they receive a client appreciation event every year. And that event might be a game of golf. It might be this lunch. It might be, you know, in addition to some seminars or whatever we might be doing. But this is we may make sure and track that that everybody is made to be uh, special in our minds. So we want want them to feel like, you know, we're we're just we've all we've been waiting for months to take them out for lunch, and we're just so happy to do it. That that's sort of the experience we want to convey. Excellent. Okay, and obviously it's working for you. So let's go back to the transition for a second because I think that a lot of advisors are thinking about. First of all, they should be thinking about their succession plan because I think yep. ages in the industry. Are, I think the average age I think is what 52, 53 right now, maybe even higher. Yeah. So I think it's great for you that you are already like you're going through this transition. You're thinking about some of those things, but in terms of some of the how did you approach even thinking about tra- the transition, and how did you think about okay, well, well, this is how much time we think we need to have to sort of restructure our business, to combine the different books of business, to make sure that we, as you said earlier, we don't have too many clients, so we can actually provide the service that we promised our clients, right? How did you think about it? Actually, I used I'm using the tools from Strategic Coach. I'm a, a member of Strategic Coach in Toronto. Have been this is my fourth year now. So they've got some tremendous tools to help us organize the transition and plan it from from start to finish. One of the concepts with strategic coach is this, you know, is in your calendar, it's focus days, buffer days, and free days, free days being defined as, you know, no work from midnight to midnight on a, on a 24-hour period. And so what I am fiercely protective of for myself and my staff is their, not necessarily free days, but free time. I don't want them to feel like they have to work 60, 70 hour weeks. There are times when that does happen. I don't want to work 60 or 70 hour weeks. So when we looked at this transition and said, what can we absorb? We look at the new resources we're bringing on in terms of advisors or assistants and what, you know, how many more clients can we handle? And 
the result was that we can't handle any more than we are currently handling. We might be able to up the level of service to those clients, but in terms of having the physical time to meet with them and and do the contacts, we only have capacity for, at the most, 250 families. And that's with two advisors working that. If it was just me, it would be far less than that. Right. And, and you know, this is really interesting, right? Because I, we just had a couple of advisors and I think the other advisor mentioned that his maximum number of clients is 125, yeah. which is exactly what you have here, right? 2252. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and I think, I mean, of course, there is a lot of science around that there's a uh, number numbers, uh, which is basically humans can maintain, I think, up to you know, 100, 130 relationships or, or just in that range, in that ballpark. So mm-hmm. it makes absolute sense. So, okay, excellent. So in, in terms of, you know, just making you really successful, and I see... I, there's a lot of habits that you already have, you know, protecting the time and making sure that you structure the the operation, the firm in the way that you, know, you have the templates, processes for everything you plan. So that's of course helps to make you successful. But like, if you're going to pinpoint a couple of things that really specifically were crucial, maybe to make you successful in building your practice, was there anything specific? I, the way I would answer that is just not being afraid to work hard, to try different <laughs> things, to put yourself out there. Uh, I think too many people who might want to call themselves entrepreneurs or business people are afraid to take chances and and I took some chances I, I worked hard at what I'm what I'm doing but just being myself and being dedicated to my to my job and my clients I think the clients could see that they knew that I was real that I was transparent and that I wasn't playing any games and and that trustworthiness has uh, led to referrals and led to me building my business it's just being myself in yourself. Excellent. And you know, you're a marathon runner, right? So it's, yeah. you know, it's not a sprint. Building a business is not a sprint. It's yeah, a marathon, right? Yeah. It's funny. I, I do liken a lot of what we do to even in the investing world to, to marathons. And I, I tell clients, you know, all this noise, the media, the whatever's going on out there, it is just noise. It's, it's no different than when I run a, a marathon and, you know, 10K into the race, I get passed by somebody really fast. And, you know, but I stick to my my plan, I run my race and, you know, maybe at the 30K mark, uh, I'm passing them back, right? It's, you know, don't get caught up with what everybody else is doing or what you're hearing or seeing out there during your race. Just run your own race. It, it, it applies to, to our relationships with our clients and to investing in particular. Nice. Absolutely. Sounds good advice. Yeah. So in terms of the financial services industry, and it's changing, and one advisor told me, I think just a couple of weeks ago, that he probably has seen more change in the industry in the last three years than the last 30 years. Yeah, I'd agree. You would agree. Okay. What are some of the things that are, you know, how how is this going to cause for us to, the financial service and, and the whole approach to providing financial advice going to evolve over, over the years? Like, what do you see is going to be different in the next couple of years? In the, in the next couple of years, I'm not sure, but I do see an evolution here. You know, I'm 48 and I'm still a bit old school in, in some senses, but I, I there's a, always going to be a subset of clients out there that want face-to-face meetings, uh, phone calls, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there's going to be an evolution here where technology does take over and you're going to be doing the majority of your meetings through whatever the software is at the time, Skype or FaceTime or whatever. It's it, There's going to be that evolution where that is the predominant way of doing business. And it's just going to be so much more flexible for the advisors and the clients. It's going to be more efficient for the advisors and the clients to just be able to do that from wherever they are, whenever they need to. So I think there is going to be that that evolution and it's never going to be 100% one way or the other, but we're already starting to see it. That makes, makes absolute sense, right? I mean, there's definitely pressure on fees, right? Which is, of course, going yeah. to you know, impact dealerships and, of course, it's going to impact advisors. 
And that's going to cause advisors to look for efficiencies, right? Efficiencies when they're running their own business and efficiencies. And of course, how do you deliver efficiency? By using technology in a smart way, right? I mean, you could be using technology, investing in technology in a completely in the area that it's not going to be helpful to your business. But I mean, the online meetings you just brought up, I I think it's a perfect example. We see so many people right now meeting with clients, for example, over over Zoom or Skype and whatever technology they use. And it's uh, it's really making this experience, it's almost like meeting in person, but because you're seeing, you you can see each other, but you you can save a lot of time. So you're absolutely right. And I think the digitization is going to help drive the efficiency. What is for you specifically the most difficult when it comes to advising clients? You know, that's a good question. I, I think if you have a good client, there really is no difficulties. They understand the fees. They understand that they're receiving value for their fees. They're great at taking advice, at getting you information that you request. There are really no difficulties. It's the, it, it's the bad clients or the other clients that I think you have difficulties with where they, they just can't grasp the concept of your value or they can't get them to go and get their wills done. You can't get them to provide you the right information to do some retirement projections. You know, and those difficult clients, quite frankly, are the clients that we're not interested in dealing with. And we, you know, everybody has them in your practice and you have to find a solution for them that, uh, you know, and unfortunately that's not going to be working with me. Right. Absolutely. Right. I mean, you need to focus really on your ideal clients and, and serving those ideal clients. So that's, that makes absolute sense. So you mentioned the fees a little bit in the conversation here. So I just want to zero in a little bit on fees. So how do clients typically compensate you? Do you have just a AM structure or do you also have a separate fees for financial planning? Is there an onboarding fee? How do you approach that? Yeah, no, we just have a fee for services through assets under management, but it's, it's, it's tiered. So for the higher net worth clients, you know, on a percentage basis, obviously, obviously it's less. And we actually do cap our fee. At, at some point, you're getting everything we can offer and just uh, adding zeros to the numbers. Uh, I don't believe we should uh, charge them more for that. So we do cap our fee. Excellent. Okay. Well, I see in capital of advisors, just that maybe a few advisors do cap their fees right now. But yeah. I think that's a, I think that's a great move. And I think it just shows you that you're really thinking seriously about your business and, and definitely long term. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. All right. So we've covered very quickly a lot of grants just in terms of your business. So just uh, you know, a couple of questions were maybe here before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. I know that you have this transition big projects uh, right in front of you, but you know, are, are there any other projects that you're excited in your business right now? Uh, yeah, we're go- we're embarking on a new social media campaign. We actually have a meeting this afternoon, a discovery meeting with a new firm that we've hired to to you know, we just as I'd mentioned before, we recognize that uh, this business is going to continue to evolve forever and ever, and we have to evolve with it. And uh, so we are getting some expertise again from a professional on uh, getting better with our social media. And so we're pretty excited about that. I, I don't know that it's necessarily going to be a driver of new business, but I think it will be. But mm-hmm. I think we just need to, we need to be proactive. And, you know, every client, you know, all most high net worth clients will be looking at you on Facebook and LinkedIn and web pages and you name it. And we have to be there and we have to be really good at it. So that's, that's the next big move that we're working on right now. Excellent. That's exciting. And I think I'm glad that you brought, brought up that, you know, it's not necessarily social media exposure is not necessarily to actually drive new business, right? I mean, you're at 250 clients right now. I mean, you're yep. really, I mean, the only way for you to grow really is to sort of either grow the, the, the business by adding advisors, right? And then you have the opportunity yep. to make more clients or, but at this point, even, I mean, taking another client that will be, that could be a little bit of a challenge, right? Because you're at a cap. So social media, I mean, the presence itself, it's really just making sure that your brand is visible. 
visible out there and and your clients know about you so that's a really interesting angle so good luck with that campaign so yeah i would i would say one other thing though too and, and some you know you ask sort of what are you excited about now and so the, the social media side of things in this in the transition we discussed but the, the move to the high net worth space is also exciting and, and we are focusing more and more on business owners and you know as i as i go to conferences and i network with my my peers, uh, that is one of the questions that I ask all the time is how do you approach business owners? There are so many unique solutions and, and uh, moving parts to that, those relationships that those are my favorites. You're bringing in accountants, you're bringing in lawyers, business valuation, succession plans, incorporation, you name it. There's, there's so many ways to, to approach those that I always am, am asking other advisors, what are you doing? So that's, you know, I really like uh, hearing what others are, are doing in that space. Excellent. Okay. Well, if anybody wants to connect with you, I think uh, I'll just leave contact information for you. And yeah. thanks for thanks for mentioning that. So, so Jim, this podcast is all about growing your practice. You've shared a lot of wisdom, but is there anything else in terms of any wisdom for the listeners? If you could just say one thing, what should they focus on? What I would say is it's really simple. I've always tried to do this throughout my career and that's be referable. And some of the things that you need to do are so simple. It's, you know, be polite, please. And thank you. Return phone calls promptly, emails promptly be on time do what you say you're going to do all of those types of things be innovative but just let the clients understand that if they refer someone to you you're not going to embarrass them and i think it's just as easy as that and i actually say that to clients you know if you send someone to me i promise i will not embarrass you and and you know and that goes a long long ways right be referable excellent excellent piece of advice so Jim, if anyone wants to get a hold of you, maybe ask you or you know, provide some insights about uh, working with business owners or ask about the progress on your social media campaign, how would they do that? What's the best way to reach you? Best way to reach me is is through email. I my you know, you can try calling me, but I don't take everything goes to voicemail. I don't take direct calls, so it'd be easiest to email me, yes. Excellent. So we'll, uh, if you're fine with that, we'll just uh, link up your yeah. your email in the show notes here. And and this will be the way how potentially listeners can get in touch with you. So Jim, thank you very much for coming on the show. No, thank you very much for having me. And that's it for this episode. If you have any questions, shoot us an email at podcast at snapprojection.com. And if you're enjoying the show and want more of the amazing guests sharing incredibly valuable knowledge, head over to iTunes and leave us a great review which helps us get discovered. Thanks, and we'll see you next time.